Genesis chapter 12. First book in the Bible there, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. And we'll read these responsibly. I'll read the odd verses. You'll read the even verses. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse number 5, going down to verse, or verse number 1, ending in verse number 5. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Hernam. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that had, uh, had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And let's pray. God, we do thank you so much, Lord, um, the, the calm assurance that we have that when you make a promise, Lord, you are faithful to be able to complete that promise. And uh, God, anything that you say in this Bible, Lord, we can take it to the bank. You're going to complete that promise. And we're thankful for it. I ask you, please just be with us in the message tonight. Help our hearts to be open. Um, help our minds to be tuned to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to use them a little bit here in the book of Genesis. God comes to Abram, or uh, later we will just call him Abraham, tells him to leave his home to a country that he knows not. Go to a land that he's never been to. He said, I want you to go there by faith, and I am going to make thee a great nation. Now, where is Haran? Haran is in modern-day Iraq. We would call it Tehran. It's right on the Euphrates River. It's in the Iran-Iraq area. And God was using Abraham to start the nation of Israel. As we've studied in the book of Hebrews, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's name being changed to Israel, and that was the beginning of the chosen people that God would bring the Messiah through to not only be the Savior, but also be the King. Now, God told Abraham to do this, and I want you to look at verse number 4. Look at it. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was what? Seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now, I want you to notice something. Here's a 75-year-old man, and God says, I want you to leave here, and I'm going to go make you and your family a great nation. He didn't have any children. There's hope for some of you yet. Amen? Anyway, uh, imagine God telling you at the age of 75 to move to a place you know not of, And God's going to turn you and your family into a great and mighty nation. He's going to start a new nation. Not a new religion, a new nation. And these are going to be God's chosen people. As verse number 3 says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. 
And in, in these shall all families of the earth be blessed. Why should we support Israel and not Hamas? Because God says he'll bless them that bless the children of Israel and curse them that don't. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'll support Israel. Let Hamas die and go to hell. We'll give them the gospel before we shoot them. But here we go. Amen. You say, I don't think you ought to be that way. Well, I'm just doing what God said. I'd rather be blessed than cursed, wouldn't you? He said, well, all this about Israel, why should we support Israel? Because God said so. They're God's chosen nation. And if you know what's good for you, you will. And by the way, any liberal college that supports Hamas is just proof that you shouldn't send your kids to a place like that. Whatever the intelligentsia of the day says, if you believe the opposite, you'll be pretty smart. Now, the real point of the sermon is this. Isaac, God's promised seed of Abraham, did not come for 25 years. Turn to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. Look at verse number 5 with me. Genesis chapter 21. You know, if I pulled that little dude jigger there, it'd come out right where I needed it to. There we go. Genesis 21, look at verse number 5. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Brother Jim, there's hope for you. <laughs> My wife had the flu the other night, was throwing up. I said, boy, I hope you're not pregnant. <laughs> She's not. Praise the Lord. Can I tell you something? God promised Abraham when he was 75. The fulfillment didn't come for 25 years. You know, we read through the Bible too fast. We don't think about it. We don't put things together. You see, God made a promise, but he did not tell Abraham how long it was going to be before he fulfilled that promise. You see, God wanted Abraham to obey and keep on obeying until the promise was fulfilled. We're not to force our reasoning on God. Uh, we're not to tell God when he has to do things. We're just supposed to obey and let him take care of the rest of it. Abraham started out by faith. He left the land of the Ur of Chaldee. Now watch this. But when it didn't happen when he thought it should, he began to do it his way. And then we have problems. You see, when we read the Bible, we have to understand something. Listen to me very carefully. Did you know that Abraham was a real person? You know, the people in the Bible weren't superheroes. They're not fictional characters. This isn't a storybook. These are real people. And they had real lives. And they were like you and I. They were not superhuman. 
They had sinful lives just like you and I have. They were real people and real sinners like you and me. Now, we have the advantage to see the outcome in the end of their lives and the decisions they made. Here's the statement. We ought to look at the outcomes of their decisions and think about our own lives before we make the same stupid mistake. We're, we're real good at pointing out what he did wrong, but how many times have we done the very same thing? You see, we're, we're quick to see the flaws in people, but we are very slow to see it in our own life. That 25 years between Abraham leaving the land of the Ur of the Chaldee until Isaac was born changed his life and changed the world history. We are still having problems today in our world because Abraham did what Abraham thought he should do instead of doing what God said he should do. You see, all because Abraham didn't think God could do his part, he and Sarah decided to help God out. And Sarah gave Hagar, her handmaid, to Abraham, and she had a child. His name was Ishmael, the father of the Muslim people today. He was half Egyptian, half Hebrew. And because he wasn't the promised seed, look at me, Hebrew culture said the firstborn inherits the land and the birthrights and things. But because he wasn't the promised seed, he did not. And the battle for Israel today by the Muslims is over that land because Ishmael was born before Isaac, but Ishmael was not the promised seed, Isaac was. Sounds an awful lot like Christians today. God gives us a Bible full of promises, and when he doesn't answer when we think or how we think, we do it our way, and then we mess things up, and I wonder how much history has been messed up by us. Today, tonight, I want to apply this truth, and I want to help you. Number one, Abraham started by by faith, but not in total obedience. Do you know that God said when he told him to leave the land of the earth of Chaldee, he said, I want you to just follow me and go until I tell you to stop. I don't want you to go home. I don't want you to take anybody but Sarah, your wife. We're going to start over. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 12, number four, verse four. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. Huh. Look what it says in verse number one. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. He said, I want you to leave everybody. But Lot went with him. He started by faith, but he didn't 
totally obey. Lot was not supposed to be with him. Yes, Abraham left. Yes, Abraham did end up in Canaan. But he didn't leave everybody like he was supposed to. He picked up a hitchhiker along the way. Hey, Uncle Abraham, I'll go with you. I'm young. I got some energy. I'd like to help you. You're an old man. Let me help you. Don't you think God was capable of starting without Lot? Make a statement here. We want to often hold on to the people of our past that are not bad people, but we don't realize how God's going to use it to change and destroy them and us. Later, Lot would choose Sodom over Abraham. Lot's children would be reared in the land of Sodomites. All but two of Lot's children and their spouses and his grandkids would die in Sodom by God destroying it. The two remaining daughters, his wife would turn on him and she'd turn to a pillar of salt. Salt Lick Sally, amen. Uh, but, uh, and then his daughters would get him drunk and have children by their own father. The Moabites were his children who were continual pains in the neck for the Israel nation. You see, the Ammonites were the others. And as you read about the Ammonites and the Moabites and all the battles that the children of Israel had with them, that's because Lot went with Abraham and he wasn't supposed to. I wonder if Lot's family would have been destroyed had he stayed home in Haran. And Uncle Abraham left him like he should have. Everybody doing okay? Our disobedience affects more than just our own life. And it affects more than just our own generation. I'm going to make a statement here. I, I, I make it unashamedly. I have watched, and, and, and listen to me carefully here. I'm going to tread lightly. I've watched the great leaders in fundamentalism of years gone by. I mean that. I sat at the feet and the side-by-side -side and worked shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with Dr. Jack Hiles. Spent many hours with Dr. Lee Robertson. Tom Malone. I knew Lester Roloff. I've, I, I, I've been with many other great leaders, and I won't mention their names. And I've watched every one of those leaders when they were gone, watch people come in and ruin their ministries. With a few getting, I had this conversation yesterday. 
And I said, I figured out why. And I said, I'm asking you to resolve, and I'm asking me to resolve myself, that we will learn from those that made the mistakes. See, men like Dr. Jack Hiles are very strong. And they allowed leaders under them that weren't exactly like them to deceive him. Though they said to his face they were like him, they weren't. And the organization was big enough they could get away with teaching their own thing away from him and report to him that it was done the way he would do it. And he knew they were a little hard to hold on to, but he was strong enough to hold on to them. Now watch this. But when he died, there was nobody to hold on to him. So what happened? They didn't need to be covered for anymore. There are men that I worked with that have totally changed. Totally. Now watch this. They'll tell you they haven't changed, and they are right. What changed was they didn't have a strong leader over them showing their direction was wrong. They say, I'm the one that changed. No, neither one of us has changed. It's just their direction has gone out far enough to now we see where they're off course. So when they say, I haven't changed, <laughs> they're right. They just weren't right when they were under him. So I've chosen to make sure that the people that are near me are as near that book and the way God says as possible. Come here for a second. I owe it to this man's generation and his children to make sure he's right. He'll tell you, we didn't talk about a whole lot other than what he really believed. <laughs> Say why? Because if he was wrong in doctrine... He wasn't coming here. If he was wrong in method, he wasn't coming here. You say, why? Because we're going to do it that way or he's going to hit the road. Not because I hate him, but I'm not going to let you destroy the church. And we've had this talk. Don't worry. He's all right. <laughs> he wouldn't be here if I didn't trust him. Are we doing okay? Thank you. I owe it to his children. I owe it to his grandchildren. For us to keep this as right as we can for as long as we can. <laughs> I don't want you to do a bunch of investigating. It's not for you to know. But in, in the list of those names recently, one of those ministries recently had a, a speaker for a Sunday church, had hair down below his shoulders, used the wrong Bible, had several speakers that were just like that for Sunday morning church to instruct the people on a certain topic. And any one of those rascals that lived under the leader before that could sit through that is as disloyal as the devil himself. Say, but preacher, no, that's exactly what it is. If I go on vacation and find out some long-haired maggot came in here preaching out of her own Bible and you didn't take him down, you're going to leave with him. 
And if you all sit there, my men on the board and anybody else in here, you don't get up and walk out and take him out and throw him out, uh, I'm going to get upset. Everybody doing all right? And I'm not going to issue an apology that I didn't vet somebody because I'm going to make sure before they get here, they're right. If you saw what I've gone through just to choose missionaries, you'd be shocked. You're not because you've helped me. And there's a couple names that were given to me I just couldn't do. Say why? Because it's just not right. I can't tell you they're wrong, but there's something not right about it, so we, we passed it by. Say why? I happen to know too much history. I know too many connections. And I decided I would resolve that I'm not going to hire somebody that i got to constantly say, no, you can't have those people. No, don't go there. Don't be with those people. Don't have that. Because you'll fall in the moment of pressure to your core belief. You show me what you are under pressure, I'll show you what you are. When you go into the military, they strip you down and, and change your core belief. You can change your core belief. Too many of us go back to our sinful core belief instead of our spiritual core belief. We fall back to what we knew when we were lost instead of what God says we should do. When I'm under pressure, he'll tell you, she'll tell you, my wife in the nursery will tell you, what does God say I should do? Because it's my core belief when I don't know what to do is to go to the word of God. It's not to call somebody else and say, what would you do here? Let's go to God and say, God, what should I do here? And we, we fall to pray to, well, this is a good person. And they were good 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. Yeah, but they're as crooked as a dog's hind leg right now. Everybody doing Okay. So I don't have their books. Well, they had good material. At what point did they change? You only know you only know the point where they made it public, not what led up to it. So, preacher, you're a little radical in that. Yeah, but I'm still going the right direction. I'm still doing it the right way. I'll do my due diligence to make sure we hire the right kind of people around here. They may not be what the world would call flashy, but we did pretty good. Amen? You say, why? Because he's right on that. And if we're right on that, we'll, it'll take care of the rest of this. But Abraham jumped the gun. After 10 years, point number two. Of no answer of a baby for a nation. At the age of 85 or 84 years old. And Sarah was 74. They decide they're going to help God. Go to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid. An Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. 
Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, Abram, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when uh, she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes, and the Lord judged between me and thee. Now, I want you to think about something. We're 14 years out until Isaac. Isaac was 14 years older, or 14 years younger than Ishmael. Everybody doing okay? After 10 years, they said, well, God must be asleep. God must not know what he's doing. We better help him out. It's not going like we thought it would. You know, God's not in a hurry. God wants to show his greatness. It's one thing for a 64, 65-year-old lady to have a baby. It's another thing for a 90-year-old lady to have a baby. And a hundred-year-old husband. Told you there's hope, Brother Jim. Amen? Preach on. (laughs) And the mule walked on. Amen? (laughs) You see, uh, this baby that was born, this Ishmael, had 12 sons. There are 12 tribes of the Muslim race of people. Right now, there is a mosque sitting on the Temple Mount. And the Ishmaelites are happy. But one day, it's going to get destroyed. Did you know that the new temple has all of the furnishings already built and in place, in storage? The plans have already been drawn. They have all the material set aside for the new temple, have been for for years. They're waiting for the mosque to be demolished so that they can rebuild the temple. By the way, that will be the temple from which Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years. (laughs) Genesis chapter 16, look at verse number 16. And Abraham was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abraham. Eighty-six years. Eleven years after the promise, that baby was born. Now, let me make a few statements and I'll go to the, move on here. Man trying to force God to answer caused more problems than they would have just waiting on God to answer when God wanted to. What's happening in Israel right now and in Palestine is the direct result of the disobedience of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 16. Hamas, the Palestinians, are the Muslims in Israel. ISIS 
that attacked us on 9-11 are the Muslims and the descendants of Ishmael. Everybody doing okay? Now, God wants them saved. Don't get me wrong. But if you read about Ishmael, you'll find out that he was going to be a wild man, he was going to be a violent man, and he was going to be a very uncaring man. And so would his descendants. Guess what we're dealing with? We often do what we want and convince ourselves that it's what God wanted when it was our will, not his. Well, God didn't answer. It's been 10 years, so we better help God along. We'll just do it our way. And when we do it our way, we mess up what God wanted. Every time. We don't think before we spend big quantities of money. We just go spend and then try to figure out how to pay it. Everybody doing okay? Uh, People just pick up and move. It amazes me how fast people buy and sell houses. I've watched watched a house in my neighborhood. This will be the third time it's been for sale in five years. And I'm thinking, how do people just buy a house, especially at that price, and then a year later sell it and go on? We, we choose friends very quickly, not wisely. And don't get me started about Facebook friends. That is the stupidest term to put with social media I ever heard. I know people that'll meet and then three weeks later they're engaged. God bless you, but you got a hole in your head big enough to drive twin Mack trucks. Double stacked. Good night. Now, I can't tell you after the first date, I didn't know my wife was the one, but we didn't get married that night. You see, we have a way of convincing ourselves, well, God didn't answer the way I thought, so I'll help him out and then it'll be his will. It doesn't work that way. May I be very candid with you? When I surrendered to preach, I was in Mexico. I was in Guatemala, Chihuahua, Mexico, on a missions trip. Man stood and preached in, in Spanish. I didn't understand one word that man said. And if I did, he said it so fast, I didn't know if I heard it or not. But I watched people come to a, I mean, crammed into a building. Little storefront type building. And I mean, there was people just jam packed in there. They're almost like Filipinos. They can get 30 people in a pickup truck. Good night. Watched a guy, uh, saw a guy in, in the Philippines. They had 12 people on a jeepney, which is a motorcycle with, with a big seat on it. They had 12 people on one motorcycle. Now, that's better than packing a phone booth, amen. Uh, you old timers know what I'm talking about. You young people don't even know what a phone booth is and shut up. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, that was pre tape player day. Uh, <laughs> when you carried a, a nickel or a dime in your shoe, amen. 
It's where the term penny loafer came from because you kept your phone money in your shoe. That's exactly what those were for. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> young, young whippersnappers don't know anything. You used to have to pay for a phone call. Now, wait a minute. But we, uh, when I surrendered to preach, I, I thought the Lord wanted me to go to Mexico and be a missionary. I was getting ready for it through my teen years. I thought God wanted me to go to Mexico and be a missionary. I was ready to go. I love Mexico, love being there. I've been in Mexico more times than uh, probably eight or ten different times I've been there, preached there, seen people get saved by the hundreds there. It, it, I really thought the Lord wanted me to go to Mexico. When I was in Bible college, I started by thinking, well, I've got to pastor a church. If I'm going to be a missionary, I'll just kind of go and take all the pastoring classes and I'll add some mission stuff on the side. Then I decided I was just going to do what God said. Little did I know God would use me to stay stateside. But God used me to train pastors and missionaries, assistant pastors and pastors' wives and missionary wives that are all over the world today. He said, I can use you more by staying here than if you go to Mexico out in some little village in the mountains somewhere. He said, you'll see more, more done if you'll just do what I tell you. Now, I'll be honest with you. What I want to do is go to Mexico. What God wanted me to do was stay here. I decided I'd do what God said, not what I, I, I wanted to do. Number three. And by the way, I wonder how many more people got saved because I did. This church wouldn't be here if I'd have had my will. Just so you know. Missionaries and pastors and pastor's wives and assistant pastors all over the world would not be in their place doing what they're doing had I not done what God said. Number next, number three. God took 25 years to answer his promise. By giving Isaac. Turn to Genesis chapter 18. Think of verse number 9. God's talking to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 18. And we'll pick up in verse number 9. And they said unto him. Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said behold in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. Now he's talking to a man that's 99 years old. And his wife is 89 years old. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old. And well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she was to that point where she wasn't having babies no more. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Everybody look at me for a second. When you get to that point where you don't think God can do it, is anything too hard for God? 
At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. (laughs) When you get corrected by God and then you lie to him, look out. Good thing he didn't give her twins. (laughs) For she was afraid, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abram went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. Here's a man, 99 years old. His wife is 89 years old. And God says, you're going to have a baby. There would have been a murder that night, and my wife would have killed me. She laughed. My wife would not have laughed. Turn to Genesis chapter 21. We read it a little while ago. Verse number one, and the Lord visited Sarah as he said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. (laughs) Notice it says his old age, not hers. Uh, God wasn't too dumb, amen? at the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old as God commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Twenty-five years after the promise was given. Twenty-five years. Just because God gives you a promise does not mean he binds himself to answer it when you think he should. You know, God's not bound by your watch or your calendar. God's not bound by your inability. Matter of fact, he said, when I'm weak, then am I strong. When, when I am at my weakest, he can be his strongest. God may allow you to go through the hardest things in life to show how great he is, and yet we want to fight him the whole time. God promised Jesus' birth. It took 4,000 years to take place. Do you realize from Genesis chapter 3 when man sinned until the birth of Christ was nearly 4,000 years? Do you know it's been 2,000 years since he said he'll come again? Called the rapture? The angels looked at the disciples and said, why stand you here gazing? Get busy. Go do what he said to do. Well, God kept it after 4,000 years. God's going to keep it again. God promised Abraham, but he did not answer for 25 years. And yet Abraham and Sarah got ahead of God and said, well, God can't do it, so we'll help him out, and I'll give you Hagar, and look at the mess they created. God promises us heaven. 
But we don't get it until we die. John 14, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Then why do we fight so hard to stay alive? <laughs> Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying we all ought to go out and commit suicide. That's stupid. That's wrong. But I think we work so hard at trying to get everything out of this life that we forget about eternal life. I'm for staying as healthy as we can. I'm for living as right as we can. And I'm for doing all the right we can while we're here. But I don't have some bucket list. My wife and I are going to take a, a nice vacation for our 35th anniversary. We've never done it in 35 years. <laughs> I was talking to the guy. It's a seven-day cruise in Hawaii. I was talking to the guy, and I said, it's our 35th. He said, wow, 35 years. I said, shut up. I said, I know. I'm old enough to be your dad. He said, how'd you know? I said, because I have a couple of idiots at your, that are your age, too. I said, I got an assistant pastor that's your age. I said, I know the sound. Can I tell you something? He said, how come you've waited so long? I said, because people like you don't understand there are things when you get older you ought to look forward to doing. He said, now that's a different thought. I said, number one, didn't have the money because I was rearing kids. Number two, my wife and I decided a long time ago there was things we weren't going to do in our younger years and save for the years when the kids were gone and we were at middle age so that we could enjoy them without having to worry about the kids. I said, part of the fun of doing this is we've waited so long. We'll enjoy it more. He said, I've never talked to anybody like you. I said, oh, hold on. It's going to get more interesting. I couldn't even call the guy. I had to get online and do some kind of live chat. He said, how can I help you? I said, I need you to pick up the phone and call me. He said, what's your phone number? And then my phone rang. He said, how can I help you? I said, I don't have a computer. All I got is my cell phone, and I have computer demons, and I ain't doing this online. I want to talk to a human being. He said, okay, I'll help you. He said, you don't have a computer? I said, trust me, I don't. He said, okay, now that's a first. I said, and probably your last, but it's okay. Can I tell you something? I had a good time talking to the fella. Before I got done, he had gotten the gospel. He had been saved. He's out in Tucson, Arizona. He said, you know, my wife and I were going to take this cruise next year, but after talking to you, I might tell her we're going to wait till the kids are grown. I said, I think that's a good idea. I said, you wait another 20, 25 years before you do it and find out how fun it really is. Everybody doing okay? Some of you can't wait that long. You've got to have it now. And when you jump God's timing, you won't enjoy it to the fullest. Everybody doing okay? My kids aren't going to have to suffer for it. Their school bills were paid. They had all their medical bills paid. 
Braces were paid for. All the stitches were paid for. All the broken bones were paid for. And there was collarbones and arms and I don't know how many trips of stitches and some I put in myself and took them all out myself. And I've been through all that mess. Seizures and endoscopies and uh, bronchoscopies and asthma and uh, hospital visits, RSV, life support. Hey, I've been through all that mess. I don't have any of that to worry about right now. And I get to take vacation with my wife that we've looked forward to for 35 years. Can I tell you something? It's going to be sweet. I'm not sure she can keep put up with me for that long, but we're going to try it. Amen? You see, we want things in our time frame, but God's not in a hurry to answer. When things don't work out in your timing, maybe it's God's timing. But preacher, I don't see how. You don't have to see how. That's what faith's all about. Let God take care of it. (laughs) There's only one other person in this room that understands this next statement to the depth that I do. And it's that lady sitting there on the second row. When we decided to buy land and build a building... It was at the dumbest point financially of Grace Baptist Church. Job's turkey was better off than we are at that point. It was like, yeah, right. You're sitting in it. If I'd have said, let's wait till we have enough money saved up before we do this, we'd still be stuck in Aiken Center. God have mercy. I'm not kidding. It did not make financial sense to do what we were going to do. I sat with a man who was a billionaire and he said, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you to do it right now. I said, no, but God said do it, so we're doing it. (laughs) A billionaire gave us $40,000. Another one gave us $65,000. Money started coming in. You say, why? Because... I didn't do it on my timing. We did it on his timing. Yes, said, but preacher, I don't understand that. God didn't say understand. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. But sometimes I can't see the next step. Just keep picking your foot up. He'll show you where to put it down. It might go squish. It might not smell good, but it's okay. You'll get through it. Twenty-five years. Abraham, I want you to leave the land of the earth of Chaldees and go to a land where you know not of, but I'm going to build you a great and mighty nation out of your out of your family. And ten years into it, he got a little ahead of God. Fourteen years after that, fifteen years after that, God gave him Isaac. Isaac then had Jacob. Jacob became Israel. And in the words of Paul Harvey, now you know the rest of the story. You see, how about we not get in a hurry on God? How about we not try to help God out? Let's just obey him. Let's not try to push God into a time frame. You won't see me get all worked up over things. Can I tell you why? It's God's timing. 
Young man got baptized today. God's timing, not mine. I won him Lord years ago. Got baptized today. I could tell you story after story after story after story after story just like that. How about we not get ahead of God? <laughs> Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Our God will deliver us, but if not, they got thrown into the fire, but guess what? They came out of the fire. God didn't keep them from the fire, but he delivered them in the fire. But I don't want to go in the fire. Sometimes it's not what we want. But then he can show his greatness. Maybe we ought to just relax and let God control it and let's quit playing God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God doesn't answer on our watch. God doesn't answer by our time frame. And let's not get ahead of God. Let's just keep obeying God, doing right, and let him take care of the timing.